Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Well, after a calm week of news last week, uh, we're, we're back at it again. A lot of stuff going down between the end of the Texas races and today. I'm Brandon Monroe, and alongside me, as always, is Mark Chavez, and let's jump right into it. I'm sure all you guys have heard the news. William Byron and Ty Gibbs getting, well, I can't say the hammer for both. The Ty Gibbs one, we'll get to that second. That, I think a lot of people would agree, might not have been enough. The William Byron penalty, however, for going after Denny Hamlin under yellow in the closing stages of the Texas race on Sunday, that, you could say, I I think it probably got the point across. I think a lot of people have their own opinions on it, and I know we do, so... Let's start it off, Mark. What did you think of the William Byron penalty? Was it fair? Was it too much? Was it not enough? What's your opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I got the point across. If you're going to wreck someone, just wreck them under green when nothing bad will apparently happen to you. Uh, one, I I was listening to the download, and they mentioned Byron admitting to wrecking him on purpose post-race. And I went back and listened to the post-race interview. I do not. Like, yeah, he... <laughs> said there was contact, but he literally said he did not mean to wreck him, which, you know, lie or not, is kind of irrelevant. If he had said that he wrecked him, NASCAR does have a pretty clear history with that in terms of you admitting to causing a caution uh, or wrecking someone, then you are more likely and almost certain to get penalized. But I went back and listened to it, did not see him mention that. My issue with this maintains from what it was before, one... It sounds like this penalty only happened because they missed it during the race, which I think for this kind of instance, it seems pretty, uh, I don't know, man. Like, how do you miss this? I think that's still the bigger question. But I again, have no idea. <laughs> again, I, I, I think they lied, to be honest. I, I, honestly, I think lying, lie, them lying makes me feel better about it, to be honest. If they're telling the truth, I, it's not a good feeling. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't, See, this this is safer than a lot of things that we've seen drivers do. Uh, I get, like, wrecking under caution is definitely a no-no, but, I mean, Brad upended, or, uh, sorry, Carl upended Brad at Atlanta. I know that was over a decade ago, but, like, that wrecked a car could have injured Brad, especially with where it landed. I mean, could have put him actually in the catch fence. That's not out of the realm of possibility. He was relatively close to it. Uh, nothing. He got what four week probation, which just means don't do this again for four weeks. Basically, led to more issues later on in the season. Uh, Denny made a complete mockery of the sport at Gateway. While I think it was hilarious, I think it was hilarious for all the wrong reasons. That is certainly not what I would, if I'm NASCAR, would want people tuning in to see. And uh, literally, nothing happened to Denny at all. And this just feels like them covering their ass to be that's what it feels like they they missed it and how you miss something so blatant i don't know and just feels like them covering that byron never admitted to wrecking we all know he did let's get that out of the way we all know he wrecked them on purpose throttled up before hitting him and all that but we've seen plenty of other times where a similar situation they're just very i will say they are very inconsistent with this Oh, I'm, I'm ready for that. <laughs> Don't worry. I got incredibly that inconsistent. <laughs> to be fair, I think this is something that's always going to have 
some level of gray is if you ever penalize, which I think some point there's clearly a line, right? I think there's always going to be some level of gray in there in terms of when it's on purpose and when it's not. But I just, I think this, the mess to me with what we've seen, especially this year, the message this sends is just wreck them under green where you have a, in this car, a greater chance of getting injured, certainly a greater chance of involving more people. Just wreck them under green and you won't get a penalty. That's what I take away from it. Yeah. I mean, we've seen NASCAR do stuff similar to this, not like with this specific rule. Um, I'm, I'm actually drawing a line here to the yellow line rule. If you go back to 2008 with Tony Stewart and Regan Smith, Regan Smith went under the yellow line. He got penalized. He lost the race. And Greg Biffle, I think it was what at the time, like inside Nextel Cup or whatever, goes on his show on Monday and says, well, the message to me is um, NASCAR is telling me to hold my line and wreck the leader in front of the whole field and cause a huge crash. And what did we see the next time we went to Talladega? We saw Brad hold his line, send Carl up into the catch fence. So I, I kind of draw a parallel to that. If, if you're going to say, hey, NASCAR saying, yeah, it's okay to wreck somebody at full speed under green. Don't do it under caution when the speed's slower. Um, then, then I would agree. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if you saw somebody get turned into the wall at 180 miles an hour, which given the safety concerns of this car right now, probably not the best idea. But we've seen it happen before. I'll be in a different situation. It has happened before where NASCAR sets the precedent and then the thing that the drivers say they would do, they end up doing in the next time they're in that situation. Um, just going uh, back to the consistency point, um, again, people wrecking other people under yellow, not entirely uncommon. Uh, here's a rundown of some of the ones that I was able to pull up just from memory. Uh, let's start up, off with the exception to the rule, which would be Marcus Ambrose. Uh, spinning out Robbie Gordon under yellow at Montreal. Now, he did not get penalized. That might have been because Robbie Gordon decided to penalize it himself after the fact. Um, I would say there wasn't a lot of intent there. Um, really, I think Marcus just misjudged it. Spun out Robbie under yellow, and ultimately he did get sent around back under green. Of course, Robbie Gordon ended up being suspended for a race after that. Um, though, if you do ask Robbie, he did win that race. I would love to find one of those pennants that he printed out. Uh, Montreal winner 2007. Um, next up, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya spinning out Kyle Busch under yellow at New Hampshire. This was late in the New Hampshire race in 2008. Montoya was only held two laps under yellow. That's it. Clint Boyer um, takes out Denny Hamlin after Denny caused a restart accident late in the spring Dover Xfinity race in 2010. Clint got parked for the rest of the race. That's it. Nothing else. That was the penalty. Uh, 2011, Kyle Busch. This is probably the one everybody knows about. Kyle Busch junks Ron Hornaday under yellow at Texas. Uh, highly different situation here. Kyle went down into a series he's not running points for. Um Spun Hornaday pretty close to full speed. They were not slowed down yet and ultimately took Ron out of the championship hunt. So a lot of different variables there. Kyle was parked for the race and suspended for the rest of the weekend. Uh, next on the list, Ron Hornaday, 2013. He spins Bubba Wallace under yellow at Rockingham. Um, gets sent to the tail end of the longest line. He was then later docked 25 grand and 25 points later on in the week. And the most recent what? one... What year was well, that? That was 2013 at Rockingham. Okay. Yep. And then the most recent one that I could remember was Johnny Sauter at Iowa in the truck series a couple years ago, back in 2019. He went after Austin Hill under yellow after they were involved in a wreck. 
Um, Sauter was then parked and suspended for a race. I think there might have been one other one. I want to say it was right. like uh, Garrett Smithley or someone at Martinsville last year. I can't remember who. Um, that was a five-lap penalty. I do remember that. So as, as you can see, they're all over the place when it comes to this penalty. I, I mean, no, I mean, they 100% are. And I think for me, uh, part of the issue is, like I said before, the context does matter, right? I agree. Yes. Uh, so like Kyle, especially at the time, quite a bit de- different reputation than, say, William Byron right now. Yeah. Kyle had a uh, lot of issues going on in 2011. Whether we like whether we like context matter in terms of that race, too, as well. Right. Like there is no way in reality, short of going and somehow fighting a cup ride. For Ron Horner Day to then repay Kyle back in a manner that is equal to Kyle, what Kyle did to him. Because whether or not he would have won the championship, unknown. But it certainly took away any shot he had at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, and obviously, Kyle, nothing Ron, uh, Ron Horner Day could do at that point to make that even. Uh, interesting thought here. Under that yellow, Denny then gets very aggressive with, with William Byron. If Denny spins him out, does William Byron still get a penalty? I don't think he does. And you know what? Denny might just get parked. He might not even get a points penalty. I think Denny only gets in more trouble if when he spins William Byron out, if it took out Austin Dillon in the process, which could happen. <laughs> they were very close to Austin Dillon. Um, but I would agree. I don't think Byron gets a penalty. I, I really think NASCAR messed up. They probably should have penalized Byron under that yellow for spinning Denny out. Um, and I think they overdid the penalty because they messed up. You know, I get why NASCAR wants, I know five isn't really a, a round number, but for our stake, NASCAR penalties, the penalties normally end in zeros or fives, you know, 25, 50. That's what I'm getting at here. Um, I get why they just did 25 points. But realistically, just looking at the finishing order, um, Martin Truex Jr. obviously wrecked out of that race. Chris Buescher ended up finishing 270 laps before he pulled aside. If they parked William Byron, he would have finished between Buescher and Truex. That would not have been 25 points. I'm sorry, it it wouldn't have been. It would have only been, and granted, this is only a couple points difference. I think it would have been about 22 or 23. Uh, we've seen two or three points matter under this format, um, but, you know, at cutoff round races. Um, You've seen multiple times people have been within one or two points of being eliminated or tied, and it goes to tiebreakers. That's not unheard of. So I think from that point, I get a lot of people are just saying, oh, man, William Byron deserves deserves it. I don't feel sorry for him. He shouldn't be spinning people under yellow. I think from just an operational standpoint, you can't give somebody a bigger penalty because you messed up initially. So I don't like the 25-point penalty. And listening to Scott Miller, too, it's not a sure thing they would have parked William Byron. And if they only penalized him a lap or sent him to the tail end of the longest line, he probably works his way back up into the top 20, maybe even the top 15 or the top 10. At that point, you're only losing about 10 points, maybe even less. So I don't like the overcompensation that they did there because they messed up. And I don't know about how you feel. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's not going to shock me if they get the penalty reduced. I, I would not be surprised by it at all. I n- feel like this is definitely a, um, a minority opinion, uh, at least based on what I've seen, but I would not be surprised at all. I think just the the facts of the case don't look good on NASCAR. This definitely feels like 
them penalizing him because they missed it. Uh, there's, I, I don't know the, the solution to this long term because, like I said, this is a very gray area no matter what. But I do think there maybe needs to then... I, we just open up this, this Pandora's box, especially with this car, where, like, yeah, it was an aggressive move, but this was far from the most egregious thing we've seen a driver do uh, in terms of wrecking someone else. Then he didn't get any permanent damage with these cars who know, or any significant damage with these cars, who knows if something broke or not, it's impossible to know uh, unless they just told us nothing did. But because I, uh, Byron said that something in his car was broke after the contact uh, with the wall. Uh, still was looked like it was running mostly. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, no matter what, there's always going to be context that matters. So I think it's hard to do a cut and dry. Like this is the penalty for this. Uh, because again, like, yeah, this one is pretty obvious. That de- that Byron wrecked him on purpose, throttled up right when he got to him. But I mean, obviously we know why. But I mean, Anthony Alfredo could have. I don't remember who he got into the back of. Was it John Hunter? I don't remember. Oh, yes, I believe it was John. Uh, Hunter. And yeah. obviously, John Hunter wanted mostly okay. Alfredo's day was done, and we know why it was happening. But I mean, what's to stop a driver from just lying and saying they they sneezed and stepped on the gas like it? it it just if if I <laughs> I think if he if, if Miller doesn't come out and say anything, I don't know that there's any penalty at all. If if they just say they'll look into it, they might just decide no penalty needed. But instead, he comes out somehow says they missed it. Which again, I don't know what's better or worse if it's the truth or not. Um, I think they're both equally bad for different reasons. And yeah, I mean, I just, I, I guess I don't know the answer because there's always going to be some level of ambiguity here, but I would not be surprised if we saw this penalty at the bare minimum reduced because like, we've seen a lot more egregious uh, things happen when people aren't penalized for it. Yeah, and, I, think, I think my biggest problem with it is just that if they penalized him like they should have during the race, he still has 70 laps to make it up. And and now he doesn't because you screwed up. That's no, I, I agree. Yeah. Agree that that like it, we've seen them before with a points penalty with this for this, which is why it's not out of the realm of possibility that this is just what they would have decided. But it seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with the appeal. That has to get done before the roval. Yeah, no, it, it'll be done yeah. next week. I am. Yes, I don't think that, that, that we we obviously don't have a date yet, but um, obviously it has to be done by like next Friday, basically. Yeah, because you gotta you gotta get that squared away so these drivers know what they have to do for the cutoff race. Um, I, I I would say I think Hendrick at least feels like they have a pretty uh, strong case since their their all their statement was was a pretty matter of fact. We're going to appeal this penalty. Yeah, uh, and I feel like one teams don't always publicly say that to begin with, but as swift as they said it, as just like definitively as they said it, I I mean, and I agree. I you know I don't want us. I, I get Denny's point. Well, if you don't do anything, then they just wreck people under caution, and I and I get that. But this feels like trying to send a message because you screwed up and weren't able to send one in the race. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the first time that something like that happened with Hendrick Motorsports. Um, not an in-race penalty, but you go back to 2012, uh, Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss before the Daytona 500. NASCAR doesn't like something on their car. 
They tell them, I think it was one of the B posts. They say, oh, you, you got to change that. That's illegal. They give them a 25-point penalty. Turns out, car never went through tech. Penalty got overturned. So it's not the first time I feel like that they have kind of messed up in a situation involving a Hendrick Motorsports team like that like this um again different situations but i'm with you i think hendrick has a case i don't think you're gonna see this one get fully overturned but i really feel like there's a good chance it's gonna get reduced uh going over to the other penalty ty gibbs um he had a fun day at texas on sunday where he guess he felt like he could just play bumper cars with everybody um did get penalized for an incident on pit road with Ty Dillon, where he slammed into him. And it wasn't, I feel like as close as some people make it out to be, but anytime you're playing bumper cars on pit road, when there are other, you know, pit crew members out there, really, really dumb. Chris Busher's team was in their box, fixing his car. When Ty Gibbs did this, Ty Dillon did get a little close to the 17 team. And, uh, you know, with how these cars break sometimes, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think something could break in that situation. And Ty Dillon could have went sliding off into the 17 pit stall. So not a smart move by Ty Gibbs. That's not the only petty GMS car that he got into it with on Sunday. Uh, had a bit of a shoving match with Eric Jones under yellow where he drove into the back of him. Jones, unlike Denny Hamlin, was able to hold on to the race car and not spin out. Um, but that was something... I didn't even realize happened until Eric Jones at three in the morning tweeted at Ty Gibbs after he released a statement to never hit him under yellow. Again. Yeah, it was so, <laughs> so weird. I, I, I like a lot of people thought it was kind of just a joke. Um, just because it was days later and in the middle of the morning. It, it, it felt very weird, very weird. But yeah, I mean. The more, not a good look like, for Ty Gibbs. the more he continues to do this, the more the God Act, I think, will continue to wear on people. And especially the, uh, oh, I've changed my way. I'm a clean driver act will that, that clean continue driver, to wear on people. That clean driver act lasted one race. Road America with um, Kyle Larson. Well, and, and <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, right? And I don't know what happened with Eric Jones and him before. I don't know if there was any kind of contact that um, messed with Ty Gibbs, but I've argued this before, and I still continue to, to believe it. We have yet to really see him face like true adversity on the racetrack and get through it. Kyle Larson almost chopping across his nose when Ty Gibbs knows he's clear. Like, yeah, it was a smart decision and a mature decision to let off. But it wasn't like a ton of adversity. Like he still won the race. Things like, I, and the only other time I remember seeing him have contact, I feel like it was Nashville. Him and Mayor got together, but Mayor damaged his car way worse, and Ty Gibbs just drove past mm -hmm. him. Uh, I just have yet to see Ty Gibbs when faced with adversity within a race, and not just like oh my pit crew messed up, but like true like this guy got into me, and damaged my car or, or spun me out or what have you and him still keep his head on and, and get through it. And I, we have two examples again, don't know what happened between him and Eric Jones beforehand. Um, but we still now have two examples of something happening to him and him just loot. Like the pit road one is just, 
completely uh, overreacting. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Yeah. Just 100%. This is, for better or for worse, this is 100% Reddit detectives, uh, Twitter detectives, whoever it was. But it's the NASCAR internet detectives that, that found this one. This one I don't think gets penalized at all without them. Um, I do think this one deserves a penalty for sure. Uh, but just more, I just don't know how he will actually like every time something like hits him for the most part, he just loses it. Mm-hmm. I, I've i seen people go as far and like, I, I saw some people on Twitter tweet this at Eric Jones, like, man, this is, this is your invitation to just yard sale him when you go to like a, um, Las Vegas or Homestead. And I know that's like the one thing you're never supposed to do. Although NASCAR does make it sound like it's more okay than spinning someone out under yellow. Now, like you said, uh, it's just to junk somebody at like a mile and a half where you're going like 180 miles. I mean, an hour. when was the last time like a uh, short of like per- full on intentional, like Kyle, which again, technically under caution by the time it happens, like when was the last time we saw someone get penalized for doing that? I mean, like just straight up junking, just junking anyone anywhere. Um, yeah, under no, green. it's, it's been under, a while. Under green, that's the thing. Under green, the one I remember is I think Jason Leffler like taking out Stephen Wallace at Daytona, but that was like back in two thousand nine. Actually, it was because the juniors had their issue in the five hundred, and people were like, "Well, why didn't you penalize Junior?" A little bit of a different situation. There was an aggressive driving one, wasn't there, like at New Hampshire in the truck series? Or maybe this was the Iowa one you talked about. But someone just kept, like, dive-bombing on restarts. I know that was Gateway with Crafton. That was even longer ago. I remember that was, like, 2008 or 2009. Um, yeah, he did that on like two straight restarts and then got penalized for rough driving. Um, man, that was, that was closer to 15 years ago now at this point. But like, just no, I mean, so many times we've seen guys get, whether they're ra- racing for the win or whether they're, I mean, really is, and is what Byron did to Denny all that much worse than what Newman did to Larson back in 2014 to get into the last round. Like circumstances are sure. A little different, but at the end of the day, like Larson's car got junked and Denny's didn't. I think people would say it's worse because it was under yellow, which I would get that argument. But in terms I get of it, but a certain race point, car, like we can't, yeah. we cannot as as a, as a community, as an organization, as whatever, sit here and talk about driver safety, driver safety, driver safety, but then act like it's okay to wreck someone under green but not under yellow. <laughs> Like these, these these arguments fly in the face of each other. I think the safety part doesn't even come from the drivers under the yellow. It's oh, the safety workers are on the track. Well, safety workers don't magically pop out of the ground on the front stretch. Listen, listen. Also, no sometimes sometimes they're fine on the top of their car or on top of the track, blowing stuff up, and the careening red forty two comes out of nowhere and slams into the truck. <laughs> so. Uh, this is this is fair. That's not the only time one of those jet drives got hit. It's the most spectacular one, but I think Michael McDowell did it at Richmond. We have, so we never almost saw it a, at, at yeah, Richmond. Kenseth almost hit an ambulance at Richmond one time. Somebody, I think it was, was it one of the Bassets at Iowa? Like this, this, sweeper. 
this like, also was like the the caution had not even been out a half a lap yet. Like I yeah no, but like at the end of the day, uh, I just feel like the message that is sent by all these penalties one is a good one. You know, don't be dumb on pit road. People's lives are in danger. And I guess the second one is uh, screw people's lives. Just wreck them under under green going 150, 160 through the turns. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be very interesting. I know I know with Gibbs, if there's a driver right now that is close to like be getting dumped at one of these tracks, it's probably him. And it's it's not going to shock me if it happens at this point. And quite frankly, I, I don't even think I'd feel bad if it happened. Because he's he's racking up a bill, man, and at some point he's gonna have to get that paid off. I would um, not feel bad. I yeah, I wouldn't. When when you full you full put it out there. You know, you know what the saying is, you know, you you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, and if he keeps it up, he's gonna get a really, really big stupid prize. Um and, and not in the form of a penalty like he got. I know a lot of people with this penalty, I don't know what you could have done differently, because I find it really hard for NASCAR to penalize him Xfinity points. Yeah, I don't think you can. I just anymore. don't think you can. Yeah, I, I think I know there are a lot of you people open up. You open up Pandora's dock too, Pandora's box too much. Like mm-hmm. suspensions, I get, but a point penalty, I just I don't like it. I agree. I, this doesn't yeah. necessarily feel like it was enough, but I I I don't think you can do anything else. I don't. I don't think you can either. I think maybe you could have given him more of a monetary fine, which NASCAR did say he more got for Joe he got, to pay. Yeah, more for Granddaddy to pay. Yep, but I mean NASCAR did say he got seventy five thousand because this is his second offense. They took into account the fight at Martinsville with Sam Mayer. Um, gonna be honest, probably should have been more. Like if you're not gonna penalize him points and if you're not gonna suspend him, which. NASCAR has suspended drivers for stuff they've done in other series before. If it's not the primary series they race in, Kyle Busch obviously is one. Uh, Kevin Harvick at Martinsville in 2002 um, got suspended for the cup race for stuff that happened during the truck race. Of Didn't course, that- Robbie get suspended after Montreal? Yes. No, he did as well. You are right. He did get suspended for Pocono that weekend as well. Um, I know there's also Kurt Busch. After his post-race interview at Dover in 2013, after he was already on probation and said some stuff to Bob Bachris, got suspended for the cup race a day later as well. So it has happened before. I think a lot of those cases, though, I don't want to say what Ty Gibbs did was not bad. It was. Well, but again, I, I think suspensions and points penalties are different. Thing. First of all, suspensions have to be such a higher threshold than they just are. And you're still not, like, you're, you're penalizing him because he doesn't get to race there, but I mean, it's already an egregious enough thing that you've decided he can't race in whatever it is, period. The only thing I've ever known that penalty or that a suspension is a series specific one uh, was, I guess, Carl Long. That's the only one I know of off the top of my head. And that just and that had more to do with him not being able to pay the fine right. than, than the, the suspension itself. It didn't, didn't actually have anything to do with the race. Just no, happened. no. Also, yeah. that's true. That's true. So a bit of a different situation there. But I I will say something had to happen to Gibbs. But at the same time, it's just like the penalty that they gave out. It's almost like I feel like they would have gotten less crap if they didn't penalize him anything at all. Um, it, it's weird because it might not sound like it makes sense, but 
sometimes just giving the slap on the wrist is worse than ignoring the whole thing because now you have people criticizing him for not doing enough. And I really feel like the only thing they could have done was up that fine. I I don't feel like you could give away your penalizing points in the Xfinity series. Could have suspended him. Um, I think the fans would have agreed with that. That, yeah, that, that, that is nowhere near egregious enough for. I agree. If this agree. was the regular season, maybe they do that, but they're not going to suspend a championship guy for something where no one got hurt, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, no one. Now, if contact is made with Busher's car, even if a crew guy doesn't get hurt, then a uh, suspension is, is likely yeah. on. But as it was something that was so innocuous that your average fan at home has no idea it happened. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, um, you know, hopefully Ty Gibbs actually understands what he did was wrong and he'll learn for it. But uh, at this moment, I'm not holding my breath, unfortunately. That's, uh, that's just the matter of fact of the situation. Well, now that we got all the uh, penalty talk out of the way, Let's jump in to the actual races we have this weekend. We got all three series in action at Talladega. A uh, little bit trickier, in my opinion, to try to put together bets and uh, uh, fantasy teams and stuff for any of these series, because Talladega, it is just a lottery at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly if you really, really, really are trying to focus and go hard and and you care a lot about winning it's harder but if you just are open to having some fun i think it's easier mm-hmm. i certainly don't go in as heavy but maybe i'll go down and not play a cheaper uh a cheaper tournament and just play more because you put random stuff it's probably the only track that you sit there sometimes with like two three grand left in money and you don't care that much uh in terms of the fantasy team just because i mean look at daytona <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in both series, the top five, you probably could have them. All, you probably could have the whole top six and not have been over budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, hey, it's, you know, you can get crazy picks and you get crazy guys that win. And that's certainly something we've had in the truck series. I mean, we, we get that a lot in the truck series. Um the last couple of years here, we've had some pretty crazy winners. Yeah, last year we had uh, Fogelman. The year before, we had Lassard, who's not wasn't that crazy. He was in the KBM truck, but not even in the series anymore. The year before that, we had Spencer Boyd. Parker Kligerman won, I think, the year before that. Or maybe it was Infinger that won the year before that. But either way, both of them won at some point. were part-time. Uh, the old Wiley veteran that was good at Talladega, Timothy, Timothy Peters, came back in, th- I think, the year somewhere in there. When he yeah. was part time and won after having won here before, I have to go a little bit further back. But Mike Wallace won this race back like ten plus years ago. Uh, this one isn't as crazy in terms of my pick to win, but I picked him in the first preview, picked him in our updated preview, and Talladega might as well stick with him. Matt De Benedetto finally gets it done, takes his uh, any kind of vehicle in NASCAR, uh, likes in their top three series to victory lane and gets the win. Also, plus twenty five hundred. So that yeah, plus twenty five hundred. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's good payout. And good. I honestly think it's pretty, pretty dang good for his history uh, mm-hmm. here in particular. 
I'm going to also stick with my pick that I made in our playoff previews for the truck series. And that's Grant Enfinger. And at the time when I made that, that was kind of like, well, Enfinger hasn't been that great, but I guess he could win at Talladega. And now he's just a top five, top 10 machine throughout the playoffs. It seems like, um, I think he's a pretty solid plate racer. Obviously, like we said, has one at Talladega before also has a one at Daytona. So he knows how to get around these tracks and, um, I think he gets it done and punches his ticket into the final four in the process as well. Plus 1,000, not bad for a driver who's been pretty good for the playoffs so far, too. Uh, going into value, I know you already have Matt Benedetto, but is there somebody else a little deeper in there that you're looking at? Yeah, I'm going to go with Kaz Grala at plus 5,000. Uh, honestly, don't you probably in the Young Motorsports truck, that's what he's been in, don't remember for sure, but we've seen uh, success from him at plate tracks and... Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, he just, we know he can wheel it and uh, he certainly has a shot to get it done. I'm going to go with someone that actually has the same odds as Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, give me Johnny Sauter, plus 2,500, uh, making another start in the truck series and the 13 for Thor Sport this week. Uh, he's probably the closest thing to a restrictor play ace in this series. Um, has a bunch of wins at Daytona and Talladega. Almost won here a couple years ago um, in the race that I believe Spencer Boyd won. Um, yeah, he, I think late, late yeah. block, I think. And, I think. It was on Riley Herps, too. Forced him under the yellow line. So he's always near the front here at these types of tracks. Um, I really like that value. Plus 2,500. I, I don't think that is uh, a bad bet for somebody who's had the success like Johnny Sauter has here. I feel like he uh, might have been the last guy that was just a normal truck driver, not named Timothy Peters, that that won here, to be honest. He, he might have been. <laughs> and that, that was a little while ago, but he, he very well might have. Yeah, it was. After him, Timothy Peters won twice, then Grant Infinger, Parker Kligerman, Timothy Peters again, Spencer Boyd, Raphael Lassard, and Tate Fogelman. Uh, geez, and then, no. yeah, I mean, like, you look at him like, well, Infinger, but Infinger was part-time then. It was his first career win, so... Right. Um, the head-to-head matchups, another one kind of hard given that it is Talladega, but is there anybody that maybe you feel is a really good plate racer and possibly matched up against somebody who's not? So I think in all three series, it's just going to be a matter of survival. Uh, good plate racers aside, like we've seen guys that have historically been good plate racers just completely been non-existent. And the truck series is even harder because we went to Atlanta, but it was such a different track. Uh, only the last, the only other plate race we go to is uh, Daytona, but I think in a plate race, for the most part, if you can get someone at even money or better, like you want to talk about uh, pushing your edges that you have, I think that's a pretty big edge. And I'll take Ryan Priest plus one hundred over John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, do I think Nemechek is favored in this? Yeah, probably. But as, again, anyone can get caught in anything here. So for someone who is as good as Ryan Priest is at, at just driving a truck in general, to be able to get them at plus 100 at a plate track, I think is really, really dang good. Yeah, I would agree. Um, that's probably also mine. But just to add to it a little bit here, uh, give me my pick, Grand Endfinger over Stuart Friesen. Endfinger minus 120 to Friesen's 110. Again, not the value, value like you get with Ryan Priest, but... Since I picked Enfinger to win the race, I feel pretty comfortable with him. Friesen, not the greatest track record on the plate tracks. And he has been very up and down across the board um, for a lot of this season. Now, I'm with you. It's going to be just 
can you survive this race? But give me give me the guy that's won at these types of tracks before. I feel comfortable with Envinger there, even though the payout might not be the greatest um, in terms of him being at minus 120. Uh, fantasy teams. I know I had a lot of fun making my truck and Xfinity teams. I think there's a lot of different ways to go. What's yours looking like for this race? Yeah, so part of this was, you know, maybe we get rain. Right now it's not in the forecast for Friday, but with a hurricane just couple hundred miles south, things can obviously change quickly. So that played the role in some of it, particularly in the uh, truck series, in terms of obviously we might be able to, more than normal anyway, predict where guys are going to start. Uh, starting off the team is uh, Johnny Sauter at 10200 Pretty expensive, to be honest. But if qualifying rained out, he's going to start like 35th. And as you mentioned, has a good good history here. Uh, second is Matt Crafton, 8800 And to be honest, he just was... The most veteran guy left with the money I had left by the time I picked him. Uh, Grant Infinger is my third guy at 8,600. Uh, as you mentioned, good here, but also just is really good at plate tracks. Uh, four drivers that have uh, multiple starts in the last 10 races that are in this race. He has the third best average finish among them at plate tracks. Uh, ben Rhodes, same boat at 8,200, except he has the second best average finish. Uh, then I went with my pick, Matt DeBenedetto, in the race. And the last guy, Jordan Anderson. 5,800 actually has the best average finish at plate tracks over the last 10 races of drivers that have multiple starts and will also start in the back of qualifying is rained out. And even if it is rained out, he would still make it based on what I saw. Just give me a quick rundown of your team again, real quick. Johnny Sauter, Matt Crafton, Grant Infinger, Ben Rhodes, Matt Benedetto, Jordan Anderson. Okay, we we don't have the same. Oh, you scared me for a second. You scared, scared me for a second. I was scared there too. <laughs> That's why I had to ask. Um, I have Johnny Sauter, Grant Enfinger, Matt DiBenedetto, and Jordan Anderson on my team as well. Um, my difference is I went with Kaz Grala. He does have one win in the truck series. It came at Daytona. Uh, so we're going to roll with the New England kid. I uh, might be thinking with my heart there, but, you know, Kaz, he, he has had some success, success at these plate tracks. So 7,100, we're going to go with him. And that leaves me just enough to get Parker Kligerman at 10,400 on my team as well. Kligerman, two of his three uh, truck series wins have come at Talladega, and he's done it in the 75 truck. And this team's a lot better than it was the last time he won here. So give me Kligerman. I think he's going to have a strong race on, uh, actually, he's doing both races on Saturday, but I think he'll have a strong race in the truck race, and uh, who knows? Maybe maybe he could shock the world and sweep the day, go two for two. Um, be pretty crazy, but it'd be a pretty cool story if Parker could do it, so we're going to roll him out on the fantasy team as well. Now, speaking of the Xfinity series, I already mentioned Parker Kligerman, and uh, he's going to be in the 48 car, so pretty cool for him. Uh, that's some decent equipment, and I really hope he can get... Uh, Get something going there. Maybe he could have like a Jeffrey Earnhardt-esque run like he did in the spring here and just uh, have fun and be up front and lead laps. But uh, who are you looking at in terms of your favorite to win this race? I want to take a guy who was kind of a last-minute addition here uh, in terms of being in this race. Trevor Bain in the 18 at plus 800. Uh, was Drew Dollar was still on the entry list up until... Today, yesterday, I don't know exactly when, but it is, in fact, Trevor Bain that will be in the 18. I'm pretty sure his last uh, race for them, at least this year, and I imagine if he does any more next year, it won't be in the 18 to begin with. Uh, but, yeah, plus 800 Trevor Bain, obviously, 
won the Daytona 500 and will be uh, looking, I think, to try to get a win to try to keep his temporarily revitalized career going. I like the pick. If I wasn't handcuffed to mine already, I would definitely entertain Trevor Bain. But if you listen to our Xfinity playoff preview already, I went with Noah Gregson to win four in a row. He did it at Texas. I also picked him to go five in a row. We're sticking with Noah Gregson. He won here in the spring. He's the odds-on favorite at plus 700. I don't care. Gregson going to make some history on Saturday with his fifth straight Xfinity Series win. I think he's either going to win or, like, crash lap 10. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, it's, it's uh, obviously, I'm one here in the spring, could obviously win again. Uh, my value pick is actually the guy that I picked in our Xfinity predictions, but because of his odds, it allowed me to get both Trevor Bain and him, and that's going to be Ryan Sieg. Uh, I've lost him temporarily, but I think he was plus 3,000. Uh, yeah, plus 3,000. Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, just going with what I picked for the Xfinity series, because or for the Xfinity series playoff predictions, because it's Talladega. So... I'm scrolling through here on DraftKings, and I'm going through these odds. I know a lot of stuff happened at Daytona, but those things could happen at Talladega, too. Timmy Hill, plus 30000 A $1 bet will get you $301 in return. You better place that bet now. I'm going to probably place a little bit more than a dollar on it. It's hard to pass something up like that. Like... He finished second at Daytona. Now, again, I know a lot of stuff happened at the end of the race, but it could happen at Talladega, and he was right there at the end. Um, with those odds, the fact that he was able to run up there at the end of the race at Daytona, you got to put a little bit of money on him. It's just teasing you at those odds. So I don't know if it's going to happen. It probably won't. I'm definitely pulling for Noah Gregson just because I want him to get five in a row at this point, but can't pass up on Timmy Hill plus 30,000. Absolutely insane. I don't think that happens very often, if at all, where you could look at somebody with that deep of an odds um, and go, yeah, that could happen. So uh, give me Timmy Hill for my value bet. Uh, before we go into our head, the head pour one out for Joni Machek, another race, a potential race squandered by just the threat of rain. Didn't even have to rain and in fact now it looks like it might not rain but just the threat of rain they withdrew did not even bother going to the track yeah I'm, uh, that that stinks also for whatever reason he's listed as joe nemechek the third on DraftKings right now i don't know why but uh hey what what can you do typo uh it's kind of funny though uh looking at the head-to-head matchups and he, he is actually joe check the third don't explain to me why but he is joe check the third is he really? Yes. I, I, well, I learned something new today. Also, that's the first time I've ever seen that on there. And uh, he's been in races before since I started betting and doing fantasy. So a little surprising to learn that while we're uh, recording. Funny, funny not the only third in the race either, at least not that you could bet on. Uh, they may have <laughs> withdrawn as well, but Howie Savino the third also listed here. So I don't know how many. I, uh, I don't think he withdrew. I feel like that might be one of the Alpha Prime cars. That that might be. I just yeah. don't know how many times two thirds have uh, raced against <laughs> each other. Well, I guess they won't be, but. I've been on at least the entry list. That's uh, yeah. it's definitely not uh, very common. But uh, 
Head-to-head matchups. Um, what are you going with for yours? Uh, I'm going with one that you can't go with, and it feels, obviously, is it's Talladega, anything can happen. But based on the history, it feels like a crime that this even exists. Uh, Austin Hill plus 100 over Noah Gregson. Or, uh, yeah, just just feels like a straight-up crime. That, that, that feels like stealing money from DraftKings. Again, it is... Uh, it is Talladega, so anything can happen. But with his history here, and just at plate races in general, being able to get Austin Hill at even money is insane. No, that's pretty nuts because you can make the argument he could have, what, three or four plate wins this year? Like, you won two of them. And he was <laughs> you can, position. Yeah, he was yeah. in position to win the other two. So Yeah, he's, uh, that's, that's definitely good. Again, you're right. Can't go with him because I'm going with Gregson. Um, but. I'm going to go with uh, Austin Hill's teammate here for my head-to-head pick. Uh, give me Sheldon Creed plus 100 over Brandon Jones minus tw- 120. Um, JGR, for whatever reason, just not the best plate racing organization. Now, I think well, having Trevor Bain is going to help this week. They all took each other out, too. I mean, by they all, I mean Ty Gibbs <laughs> took them all out uh, here last time. But Yeah, so... um. Yeah, give me Sheldon Creed. I know the other one I was looking at was um, Josh Berry. Um, Josh. Pretty much the same thing, too. Even money over Ty Gibbs at minus 120. But I, I don't like this one as much because they are teammates. But And one of them has now in a position where he certainly needs points more than he will probably had hoped. But Sam Mayer plus 100 over Justin Allgaier. <laughs> just being able to get anyone at even money, even, like no one's above even money, but just at even money is just... These are all competent guys. It's a plate race, so anything can happen. It just feels pretty nutty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my pick's Creed. I think that really just ultimately comes down for me going with Creed over Jones versus Barry over uh, Ty Gibbs is I feel like RCR has just been a little bit better at the plate tracks this year. Um, and that could just be because Austin Hill is really, really good on him. But Creed has been up near the front at a couple of them as well. Um, so I'm going to go with Creed. Uh, even money, plus 100 over Brandon Jones at minus 120. Um, fantasy for the Xfinity series. Um, another one, like I was saying before, uh, there's a lot of different combinations you can go with. Um, what's your team looking like? Uh, well, I did go put go ahead and put Noah Gregson on the team because, I mean, he hasn't stopped winning. Might win again. If it rains, he started from the pole. So no, Gregson, one ten thousand one hundred. Uh, then Trevor Bain, ninety three hundred. Uh, Ryan Sieg, seventy nine hundred. Talked about all of them already. Uh, Brandon Brown, seventy three hundred. He has the third similar stats to the Truck Series in terms of last ten races. More drivers, more than one start. Drivers in the race. Brandon Brown, third best average finish at plate tracks. Uh, Anthony Alfredo, seventy two hundred. Fourth best average finish at plate tracks. Timmy Hill, sixty nine hundred. Uh, just finished second, also has the eighth best average finish at plate tracks. And if it does rain, we'll start shotgun on the field. And it's a plate track, so who, who you're not going to be right, but it's just sometimes being less wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, my team, uh, obviously, I have Gregson 10,100, not a surprise there for me. Trevor Bain 9,300, Austin Hill 8,800. Um, I'm shocked that he's that low it, with how he's run at the plate tracks this, uh, this year. Um, I feel like that's a steal. He should probably be in the mid nines. Probably. I wouldn't complain if he was at 10,000. That's just how good he's been at these tracks. So Austin Hill at 8,800. 
a steal. Uh, definitely go with him if you could get the chance to work him onto the team. Um, next up, um, I mentioned him in my truck series team, and I have him in the Xfinity race as well. Parker Kligerman, 7,600. I think he's poised to have a good run in the Xfinity race on Saturday as well. Um, Brandon Brown on my team as well, 7,300. Uh, sounds like this is going to be it for him in his family team number 68 car. Um, so I'm sure he's going to want to go out there and uh, have a good run and possibly end up back in victory lane like he was here last year. And rounding out my team is also Timmy Hill, 6,900. Going to put money on him to win the race just because those odds are so crazy. And uh, like you already said, he's been pretty good at these plate tracks as of late. So I think he's somebody that could dodge wrecks and uh, be up front near the end and get you a good finish. So Timmy Hill rounding out the team. And I really... Really feel good about both of these teams, which means they're probably going to get wrecked on like lap ten in both races. But we'll see come Saturday. I know this is uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed they're not going to have this weekend next year with the Xfinity series not coming back here in the fall. Um, I I just find that doubleheader at Talladega trucks and Xfinity really only came about because of COVID. But the last couple of years where we've had it, um, it's just been fun. <laughs> well, now it's time to take a look at the Cup series, and of course. Uh, Big race for them. Second race in their round of 12. The Byron penalty does shake up the points a little bit, but for the most part, the guys that need to survive still need to survive. Yeah, he effectively went basically from like 13 points inside to like 12 points out, something like that. Like, he effectively was pretty close to the bubble anyway. He just kind of flopped to he's the second car out now, I think. Yeah, I'd say it doesn't really drastically affect it. Like I was saying, uh, the people that need to survive still need to survive. They're right on that bubble. Um, doesn't really change a lot for the two drivers that were well out after Texas, uh, Christopher Bell and uh, Alex Bowman. Uh, they they still have some work to do going into this race. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a crazy one because they're still within distance where they certainly don't have to go out and win. Uh, but I fully expect them, and I mean, I think there's arguments for basically everybody to go out there and race for stage points here, not just ride around and try to survive necessarily. I would definitely agree with that. Uh, looking at the odds here, um, pretty crazy on a lot of levels. We have a three-way tie for the favorite in this race. William Byron at plus 1,200. He has had a little bit of success at the plate track, so understandable. Uh, Ryan Blaney, also plus 1,200. I think this is a race he has circled. Uh, obviously, he's been multiple how, times. How many way tie do you have? You know what? Something just changed on mine. You're right. It's uh, it's not three. It's six. I believe it, I believe it is a six-way <laughs> tie. I, I swear, when I pulled it up, that was uh, not it. But you're right. It is a six-way tie, actually. So we have Byron and Blaney, 1,200. Joey Logano, 1200 again not a surprise denny hamlin 1200 i guess a little bit of a surprise because he just hasn't been good at he hasn't been great years. this year but historically he's i good. get it plus he's among every week among the you know five favorites at this mm -hmm. point uh so. chase elliott at 1200 that's that's okay i mean chase obviously very popular so you're gonna get a lot he's of also one here before has one here before. I'd say probably has a little bit better success at 
Daytona than Daytona, at least in the points races. I, I see him anyways up front more here than at Daytona. But here's the odd one to me. <laughs> Kyle Larson at plus 1,200. What are you doing, DraftKings? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, what are you I'm, doing? he's the guy that people like to bet on, but I agree. Um, he is, I think, the only one of this group that I would absolutely not touch. His highlights for restrictor plate racing is ending up in the catch fence at Daytona in the Xfinity series in 2013 and barreling down the backstretch here in the spring race at Talladega in 2018. That's it. I don't remember him doing anything remotely close to get him screen time. Didn't he he run out of gas late in a 500 once? He did, but so did Chase and so did Truex. Yeah, no, I wasn't thinking he was the only one, but you know, that was something. He he was there. I think he was leading at the white flag, but um, again, fuel mileage race. Uh, Congratulations. You're about as relevant at restrictor plate races as Greg Biffle. Um, but yes, just I, I don't know why anybody would put money on Kyle Larson. I, I guess he came close to winning here in the spring, but still, historically speaking, Larson, not a good plate racer whatsoever. I, I would stay away from him with about a 2.66-mile pole, I guess, in this case. Um, now, I, I think for some of these guys at plus 1200 those those are pretty good odds can't fault you if you were going to go with blaney or logano here but who's the driver you're looking at i picked him in the predictions i've picked all my predictions in one way or another for talladega although the playoff prediction it is and i'm gonna stick with that brad kozlowski plus 2000 uh team's been pretty good lately and they could he's a good plate racer so we could certainly walk away with a victory I think I'm going to go with one of the favorites. I know in the playoff predictions we did, I believe I went with Eric Jones this race. He did win Darlington. But if anything, I feel like him winning Darlington makes you less likely to pick him. It kind of does, actually. Uh, <laughs> somehow, some way, it really does. Um, maybe it just takes a little bit of an edge off, like, oh, I got to go out there and win. This is our last chance. Like, you wanted Darlington. Maybe he feels like he could win anywhere else. Again, he was probably a couple hundred yards away from winning this race in the spring. But I'm going to go with one of the favorites here. Give me Ryan Blaney. Uh, Just a gut feeling here on this one, really. He's due. You know, Blaney's due. We've been saying that for a while now. But given how this year's gone, I would find it pretty funny if our 20th different winner of the year was a uh, arguable championship contender or championship favorite, even in Ryan Blaney, um, 1200 for a guy that's won here at Talladega before seems good for me. So that's my pick to win the race. Um, though I know I'm going to be betting some of these value guys too, because there's a lot more potential to make a lot more money here with some of the people further back in terms of the odds. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it's 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 Dega, you know, Dega, Daytona. Anyone could always win there. Uh, certainly, some guys a little bit more likely than others. Uh, but I'm digging deep. Not you know the deepest, but it's been a pretty crazy year. It's been a pretty crazy year, and across all three series, one guy sits the top alone at the top for most wins in their series. He's going to add one in the Cup Series. Noah Gregson in his last ride for Beard Motorsports, a car we've seen with Brendan Gaughan run top five here. It has a pretty 
infinite moment, uh, infamous moment where he barrel rolls. Uh, stuck the landing, though. But Noah Gregson, plus 10,000. Part of the thinking here, we, we've talked a lot about it, about lately for, with him, not even necessarily wanting the Cup Series. I would bet a lot of money he will be around at the end. He is not going to have any desire to race for these stage points, any desire to put himself in a precarious situation. But if we reach a, a Daytona situation where there are you know, effectively seven cars left that can win the race, and Noah Gregson is one of them, I could certainly see them him getting it done. I mean, he was very much in the hunt at the end of Daytona. Plus 10,000. Very good odds for the guy who's also going to win on Saturday and go to five wins in a row in the Xfinity series. So it could be a, could be a big weekend in the win column there for Gregson. I think I'm going to go a little higher up. Uh, give me the guy that does have a plate win that came under, well, I guess it still ended under yellow, but not crazy like Justin Haley where they were parked on pit road waiting out a rain and lightning storm. Uh, give me Michael McDowell, plus 4,000, obviously, Daytona 500 champion. Team's been a lot better this year. I know we've probably been saying this every week about him where, hey, if they get a little better here, a little better there, they could really be a contender at a lot of these tracks possibly next year. Well, he's always been pretty solid at the plate tracks, and that team is a little bit better. I think he could get it done. And again, you know, really good odds there. Plus 4,000. We've had a lot of good luck lately with some of these uh, long shot picks. And I wouldn't be shocked if one of them hit again here at Talladega just because of this Talladega. And, you know, we did hit Austin Dillon at Daytona with it. I think he was like plus 3,000. So why not? Let's uh, let's get two in a row on the long shots at the plate tracks and uh, try to bring home a payday. Obviously, Noah Gregson would be a lot better <laughs> than Michael McDowell. But either one, you know, if they hit, uh, that could result in some uh, nice winnings. Uh, group bets now. Um, again, plate racing, very chaotic. A lot of things could happen, so I am prepared to get all four of these wrong. But for Group A, we have Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney at plus 260, Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano at plus 270. I am going with... We're going to wind up having... Uh, the same guy here. I'm going with Ryan Blaney. Uh, just, I mean, I, I do think he has a very, very solid shot of winning this race. Probably the best among these four guys. So, Yeah, I'm also going with Ryan Blaney. Obviously, I picked him to win the race. Uh, I will say, Denny Hamlin being at plus 1,200 to win the race, and then plus 270 when Chase and Blaney are also in this group who have plus 1,200 odds to win well, the race. Well, Logano has plus 1,200 odds too, doesn't he? I thought he was at plus 15. No, 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 you're right. 1,200. I, I got to pay more attention, man. Those <laughs> those race-winning odds are just throwing me for a loop right now. But yes, uh, Logano also. So, you know, both of them, just from an odds standpoint, uh, Hamlin or Logano makes the most sense. You definitely have the best value here since the other two are also in the favorites um, to win the race. So, little head-scratching there, but I'm going with Blaney. Um, again, my pick to win the race, and I think he'll win this group. Group B, William Byron, Kyle Larson at plus 260, Ross Chastain, and Austin Sindrick at plus 270. I'm going with Austin Sindrick. He's been probably the best plate racer this year, and I think he'll continue it. Yeah, I'm also going Sindrick. Uh, the Penske cars really know how to get it done at these plate tracks. I fully expect one of them at least to be in the running at the end. And uh, 
you know, Cedric won the Daytona 500, and he was uh, about three laps away from sweeping Daytona this year. So I'm with you. I've uh, been very good. Probably the best out of these guys from a consistency standpoint, even though Ross did win Talladega in the spring. Um, I'm still going with Cedric to uh, win this group. Group C, we have last week's winner, Tyler Reddick at plus 260. The winner of this race last year, Bubba Wallace at plus 260. And then a couple of Toyotas in Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell at plus 270. I'm going to the guy that's got to get it done, Christopher Bell, plus 270. Yep, Bell, to me, like, I don't think he's an awful plate racer. I just don't know if he's going to be good enough to win this group. Uh, Reddick seems to be near the front sometimes at the end, and Bubba is obviously a really good plate racer. I can't bring myself to go with Kyle Busch. Something's going to happen. It's just, it's just been that type of year, that type of playoff run for the 18 team. Um, it's, it's just been bad, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace at plus 260. Uh, he's been fast every race in the playoffs. Obviously, it's had some mechanical problems um, and some other issues during these last couple of races. But, you know, coming back to the track, in the race that he got his first career win at last year, I fully expect him to go out there and uh, put on a pretty good show. So give me Bubba at plus 260. Lastly, we got Group D, and that consists of Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman, and Daniel Suarez all at plus 250, and Chase Briscoe at plus 300. I'm going to go with the other guy that's got to get it done this weekend, Alex Bowman, plus 250. I I do like that one better than the Christopher Bell one. Bowman, to me, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but at least in this Talladega race, he always seems to be up front, and then he's, like, in the middle of a big wreck. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you could argue he's been the cause of it. Other times he's been just an innocent victim, but I feel like the last couple of years that we've come here, he's in position, he looks good, and he gets swept up in some problems. This one's tough. I think I'm going to go with Chase Briscoe. Uh, he's shown some speed at these restrictor plate races this year. Um, looks solid in the Daytona 500. Was battling for the lead in the 400 about a month or so ago when he was involved in a crash. I think he's going to actually finish in the top 10. I think he's going to have a solid day, maybe pick up some stage points and it's going to be crazy if we come out of Talladega and Chase Briscoe looks like he is, uh, I don't want to say safe. The Roval is crazy and he hasn't been good on the road courses this year, but in a decent position um, after the race on Sunday. Uh, plus 300, the best odds there. Uh, give me Briscoe for Group D. Now, finally, let's uh, go take a look at the fantasy teams. And I think. I don't think we're going to have like the same exact team, but I think we're going to have a lot of value plays here for uh, this one. Well, I, uh, depending on your definition of value play, I don't know that that's true. Uh, I have my race winner, Brad Kozlowski, 7,400. My value pick, Noah Gregson, 5,600. My group A winner, Ryan Blaney, 10,400. My group B winner, Austin Sindrick, 7,900. My group C winner, Christopher Bell, 9,300. And my group D winner, Alex Bowman, 8,500. I mean, when I was talking about value, I was talking about the salaries. And 
Well, it, it, it depends on your definition of value for the salaries, even. I think Brad Keselowski, even with the year he's had, 7,400 at a plate track is absolutely insane. So, I mean, there's there's definitely good value there. Uh, no surprise, my team starts off with my race winner, Ryan Blaney, at 10,400. And then uh, it's a big drop-off to the next guy on my team in terms of the salary, and that's Bubba Wallace, 8,900. Always looks good at the plate tracks. Next up, Austin Sindrick, 7,900. Then we have Brad, or, uh, yeah, we'll go with Brad, even though that's not in order. Next up's Brad Keselowski, 7,400. i still surprised. I, again, I, I know I already said it, but just the value there for Brad Keselowski. Six wins at Talladega now in the Cup Series. Just, he's good here. He's really good here. Arguably his best track. I'm still surprised that it's that low, even with the year that he's had. Um, his teammate, Chris Busher, 7,600, also on my team. Another one of those guys. He always seems to be in contention, and then something happens. He gets involved in a wreck or even disqualified after the race one time. <laughs> but I think he's a sneaky good play. He might not get the finishes you'd want out of him. But again, Talladega is all about survival. If he could do that, I think he's going to give you a lot of points during the race. Uh, last person on my team, the guy who won Daytona, Austin Dillon, uh, was very strong here in the spring as well. Uh, got a solid finish there as they came running back to the line. And, you know, Ross Chastain didn't do anything and ended up winning the race. Still one of the honor finishes we've seen here over the last couple of years. But Austin Dillon, 7,200, similar to Brad. Obviously not the success of Brad Kozlowski on these types of tracks, but he always seems to be up there near the end, and he has gotten wins at Daytona before. 7,200 seems low. I, I think that's a pretty good value for somebody that should be in contention at the end of the day on Sunday. That's going to wrap everything up here from the fantasy side. Um, you know, Talladega... Obviously, a crazy race. I have no idea if these are going to hit because that's just the type of racing it is. You know, you could look good going off into turn four on the last lap, and then you could see all of your picks and teams just in a shower of smart sparks and a cloud of smoke. So we'll see comes race day. I know it's going to be very exciting. Uh, any final thoughts, Mark? Yeah, if you want an interesting championship bet due to... Uh, his issues this past Sunday. Alex Bowman is plus 5,000 on the championship bets. Uh, obviously, is in a hole, but if he makes it out of this round, could certainly make it to Phoenix. If you're also looking to double up on Christopher Bell, he's down to 1,600 because of his issues. I know. I uh, I do have money on Christopher Bell already. It just... I think Alex Bowman here is the better play if you are going to try to future bet for the championship here. It really just comes down to he's he's better at the Roval specifically than Christopher Bell. And, you know, we've already talked about the Toyotas having their problems on the road courses. Kind of feel like this is a race that Christopher Bell needs uh, even more so than Alex Bowman, just because I don't know if I could count on that team at the Roval. 1600 is tempting. Even though I'm I'm not feeling too great about Bell right now, I do have you know I I did have some faith in him earlier in the year. I'm I'm hoping he can turn it around, but we'll we'll see. We will see. Um, 
again, should be a very interesting race on Sunday, and uh, maybe we'll have a little bit of a clearer picture in terms of the championship when we get out of Talladega. We will be back, obviously, uh, to break down everything that happens from Dega after the race on Sunday. Until next time, guys, thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to follow us at Bernie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms.